on the screen for us, please. John 10, 10. On the screen. Very familiar passage to many of us. Let's start in the New King James. We'll switch over to the Amplified. How about that? New King James first, and then we'll switch over to the Amplified Classic. Everybody have it? Okay, John 10, 10 reads this way. It says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it how? More abundantly. Y'all familiar with that passage, right? Okay, let's look in the Amplified Classic, please. Amplified Classic. Says this, the thief, in fact, I want y'all to read this one with me, okay? Ready, read. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. All right, today I want to talk on the subject, living with more than enough, living with more than enough. Lord, thank you today for the word we're about to receive. I pray that you speak through me, speak to these, your people, Father, today. I pray that, Father, your word will go forth unhindered, unchecked by any outside force, and that, God, there'll be no hindrance or distraction from the word of God today, and that every ear, every eye, and every heart is open, Lord, to hear and see and receive the word of, the, of God, the seed of the word, that will, Lord, produce life and a life abundantly in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. All right, take your seats. Glory to God. All right, we've been talking about, again, building a house, building a family, amen? And in Psalm 127, verse 1, we use this as our foundation scripture, which says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. So we know that you and I, we have to labor, right? They labor. But it says, said, except unless the Lord builds a house. I think King James used the word except. That's why I keep saying except. Unless the Lord, I grew up in King James, so I still have King James on the brain. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. So we see the Lord is a builder. Jehovah Bana, B-A-N-A. Remember I gave you all that, Jehovah Bana. He is a builder. Now let's look at the Lord, though, when he builds. I, let's go to John 14. John 14, verses 1 and 2. Let's see what Jesus said about the Lord and his building program. John 14, verse 1. says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2, please. In my Father's house are few... There's a little straggling, few little uh, uh, mobile home park. Huh? In my father's house are what? Many. How many? Many, many, many what? Many. Mansions. Now, mansion itself implies big. Mansion is already big. When you think of a, of a mansion, you're not thinking about some three-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, you know, little place. When you're thinking mansion, you're thinking, you know, six, seven bedrooms, eight and a half uh, bathrooms, four or five car garage, swimming pool with a screen, and, you know, a big yard and gated. And you know, Come on now, help me out. Dream with me for a minute. How many of y'all believe God has a mansion right here for you? With a, with a regular kitchen, a chef's kitchen? With a, with, huh? Gourmet? Chef's kitchen plus a, plus plus a, a kitchen for the for the cooks when they come in a catering kitchen plus an outdoor kitchen for you. 
when you're around the pool. And then, then Jesus has the audacity to say, in my father's house are many mansions. Not just a few of them, many of them. Many of them. Hallelujah. It's an all-mansion kingdom. Many. Now that word many, which it means not just a few, it's not, not just enough. It's many, he said. That word many in the, in the Greek is the Greek word pulos, polus rather, which means many, much, large. Large. Now, I, I, I emphasize that word large because that's what it means. We know many. We know much. But I want to emphasize the, the word large because he said, in my father's house are large mansions. So these are not no, you know, baby mansions. Not a starter mansion. These are large mansions. Now, the implication of this is that when God, and Jesus, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Right? And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So in other words, these places, these mansions are for you. Good grace, help me out. What kind of mansions? Large mansions. Now the implication is God wants you to have plenty of space. God is not a God of tightness and you got to squeeze in, to, you know. Some of you ought to hear what I'm saying and just get mad about where you're living right now. Now, don't, 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 don't get mad at me. I'm talking about get mad at where you're living. I'm mad about where I'm living. I am. I'm like, I had enough of this. this, this it was wonderful when it started, but I've grown inside. Feel like the house got smaller. It's not that the house got smaller, it's that I got bigger. Oh, don't, don't, don't crack. Don't nobody try to crack. Pastor, you got bigger. I'm talking about inside, inside. Okay, inside, I got bigger. And as you, as you enlarge, in fact, the Bible says, I think it's over in Psalm 4. In verse 1 or 2, it says, thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. In other words, when you're in a tight situation, God enlarges you on the inside to the point you say, I got to break out of this thing. I can't live small like this. God don't want you living small. He says, he says my father's house, there are many, there are large mansions. So God, when he designs something, he designs us uh, to have with, with space in mind. Glory to God. Look at this. Look at John 14, verse 2, in the Common English Bible. In the Common English Bible. He says this, my father's house has room to spare. My father's house has room to spare. Everybody say spare room. Now notice he didn't just say a spare room, he said room to spare. That means the house, everywhere you look, there's plenty of room in it. I mean, some people get happy because they finally move into a 2,000-square-foot house. You know there are people who have 2,000-square-foot bathrooms? So don't be so overly impressed with yourself. God is trying to get us to a place where we have room to spare. See, I'm preaching today on margin. Margin. This, this is the third in, in the series of, on family. We're on M today, margin. We cover faith. We covered alignment, 
Today we're talking about margin. God wants you and me to have margin in our lives. So my father's house has room enough or room to spare because we serve a God of abundance. We serve a God of plenty. He is El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Matter of fact, look at this in Luke 15, verse 17. They'll put on the screen for us, please. Luke 15, verse 17. Remember the prodigal son, he had gone out and wasted all his father's goods, all his goods, his substance on riotous living, the Bible says. We came to himself. He's sitting in a pig pen. He's hungry. He's nasty. He's sweaty. He's smelly. He can't get anybody to feed him. And he wants to, he wants to eat the pig food. And all of a sudden, he comes to himself and says in Luke 15, 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? He said, but back in my father's house, the servants have plenty. Back in my father's house, the servants, they have bread enough and to spare. They have extra. They have margin in their living. And here I am perishing, dying with hunger. God didn't want us perishing with hunger. He doesn't want us having lack of anything. God designed you and me to live in abundance. Somebody just shout abundance. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 47, one of the curses that are listed in Deuteronomy 28, you know after you get past verse 14 of Deuteronomy 28, it shifts over into curses. Hallelujah. Glory to God. These curses, they, they declare these curses up on Mount Ebal. Mess with all the Bible school students. All the blessings they declared up on Mount Gerizim, very good. Uh, praise God. But one of the curses, he said, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the what? So notice that God, if the people followed God's plan, they would always have what? An abundance of, of what? Everything. God designed you and me to live on an abundance of everything. No scarcity, no lack, no short supply, no insufficiency, no deficiency of anything, no inadequacy, nothing like that. Always having an abundance of what? Everything. everything. So notice this, we are made to live in abundance. It's one of your fill-ins. We are made to live in abundance. We are made to live in abundance. That's of space, yes. of provision, yes. abundance of joy, yes. abundance of peace, yes. abundance of love, yes. abundance of grace, yes. abundance of health, yes. and abundance of enjoyment. Yes. That, that, that's, that's what I wanted you, wanted you to get out. Abundance of everything. Spatial abundance. I know some of y'all ladies ought to, ought to get excited because you know your, your closets are crammed. Y'all got shoes of every color. Every style. How many jeans can you have and how many dresses can you have? Obviously not enough. Because every Sunday, every weekend, you say, I don't have nothing to wear. 
But that's all right. Because God designed you to live on an abundance of everything. Hallelujah. Abundance of space, abundance of provision, abundance of joy, abundance of peace, abundance of love, abundance of grace, abundance of health. I grew up in a church, we used to always say, not we used to, they, they used to testify, I want to show, give God praise and thanksgiving for a reasonable portion of health and strength. That's not what God's plan is for a reasonable portion of health and strength. Abundance of health. Divine health is an abundance of health. Divine life is an abundance of health. And enjoyment. Everybody say enjoyment. Let's go back to John 10, 10 Amplified, because we'll see that here. We'll see exactly what God's plan is. The thief only comes, or the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they, this is you, may have and enjoy life and have it how? How? In abundance, which means to the full till it overflows. So God calls us to live with more than enough. You and I shouldn't have just enough of anything. I mean, we certainly shouldn't have less than enough. But I'm finding that you and I need to have more than enough of everything. We need bread to spare. We need room to spare. How many of you found we need joy we need mercy. We need love. We need forgiveness. Because there are going to be times, ladies and gentlemen, when people really try you. I'll come over here. There are going to be times when people will try. We used to say in the back of the hood, they're going to try your last nerve. Now, we don't, we don't say that. We don't use those kind of terms. People get on our last nerves because we don't want to speak ill of our nerves. But people know how to push your button. And you have to have enough mercy to spare. Enough forgiveness, come on, to spare. Enough grace to spare. Enough forgiveness and kindness and love and forbearance and long-suffering to spare. Because if you don't have enough to spare, you run out, you're going to go off. Come on now. You're going to click. And going off and clicking does not make things better. It only makes things worse. Let me just ask, anybody have experienced where you clicked and you went off and it got better? Oh, it got worse, didn't it? I set y'all up, didn't I? Let's see if you're listening. See? I'm about to get a piece of my mind, and you don't have any peace to spare. You've exhausted all your mind, and now I'm going to give about a piece of my mind. No, see, so when it comes, when he says abundance of everything, life more abundantly is not just money. It's not just space. But in family, you need an abundance of everything. Because I have some news for you. The people in your family are human beings with teeth and tongue. 
human beings, as Pastor Kim brought out so powerfully Wednesday night, with souls. And your soul will go crazy. Y'all look at me like it never happened to you. Has your soul ever gone crazy? Has your soul absolutely gone bonkers? I mean, just... Okay? All right. Now, let's look at something here because we want to we talk about abundance here. I got to move faster. Luke 14, 28 through 30 in the Passion Translation. So they'll get on the screen for us because we're going right there for the sake of time. Luke 14, 28 through 30 in the Passion Translation. Look at what this says. So don't follow me without considering what it will cost you. For who will construct a house before sitting down to estimate the cost to complete it? Don't, so he says, who's going to build a house, construct is the build, right? Before first sitting down to estimate what it's going to cost to complete it. Verse 29. Otherwise, he may lay the foundation and not be able to finish. The neighbors will ridicule him saying, saying, look at him. He started to build but couldn't complete it. Now, notice here the building process. Remember now, we're building a house. We're building a house on a good foundation, the word. We're building it by the Lord's plan, except the Lord build a house. They labor in vain who build it. So here we are building a house now, and we got to build it according to God's plan. But he said, check and make sure you have enough to finish it. Now, notice here, let me just throw back here in that time, there were, people weren't encouraged to build with a mortgage. You build, you say, okay, this house is going to cost me $30,000. Let me say, I got $30,000. Yeah, I got it. Okay, I, let's start building. Now, you can, you know, I've heard it taught where the, the amount you need is faith, and you can build with faith, and that's wonderful. But I'm talking about, about having enough patience. Y'all not. See, it's one thing to start a family. Any, any, anybody, anybody can start a family. It takes two to make a thing go right. All you need is two, you can start a family. Right? But to complete it, to get that family to the end goal, to get your family looking like Psalm 144, where your children are growing up sculpting, your daughters are sculpting Palestine, your sons growing up as cinder roots and, and, and having no, no breaking out and no running in and everybody being happy. You have, I mean, to get your family vision, to get your family to look like, do y'all have a vision for your family? I mean, to get your family where you want it to be, you got to have more than just enough to start. Come on, now y'all help me out. You can start by saying, I do. Do you? I do. I remember I was marrying Kevin and Shalonda a few weeks ago here, and Kevin didn't even give me a chance to finish. He's like, I, I do. I'm like, slow down. Slow your horses, man. Kevin was super excited to marry Shalonda. I'm like, okay, let, let, me, let me get to that part, man. I do. Oh. It just takes an I do to start. But do you have enough to finish? Because... Once you say I do and cross that threshold, once you go on that honeymoon and you have your little good time and you come back home and you spend all your money on feeding people, spend all your money on flowers, and now the rent is due. 
And now you're back in the same house because you weren't living together before you got married, right? Now you're in the same house. And now, now you you see you see how they look in the morning, how they talk in the morning, and now just, just, just. do you still do like you said I do? And when they upset you now, see because before you got married, when you got upset, you could go back to your place. This date is over, but when you're married, the date never ends. It just keeps on going, and you got to have enough, enough to finish it. So a wise builder has to leave room. When, when, when a few, few months ago, when uh, Brother Joe, they did the construction project here at the church, building two and everything, they had to write in into, into the budget contingencies for overruns. In other words, it's going, let's say it's going to cost 100000 Well, we're going, we're going to write it in, estimate for 115 or whatever it is, because we got, to, we got to estimate in case lumber goes up, in case I got to redo something, in case you got uh, your, your labor or something. You got to always have contingency plans. So you can go through and have all your plans for marriage, all your plans for raising children, all your plans for being a good brother, good sister, whatever you're going to be, but you got to have something in the budget Hallelujah, Hallelujah. For, for overruns. That room is called margin. Everybody say margin. margin. Now, the word margin is defined this way. Margin is a spare amount, spare amount, measure or degree allowed or given for contingencies or special situations. It's a spare amount. It's a measure or degree allowed or given for contingencies. How many know that in your life there will be some situations that rise up? contingencies. There are things that you weren't planning on. You didn't plan on your tire blowing out. But you better be prepared for it. That's why they give you a what? Y'all not here. That's why they give you a what? A spare. You buy, I, mean, I mean, you buy a brand spanking new car right off the showroom floor. Brand spanking new tires. They're beautiful tires. I mean, they're the best. Pirellis. I mean, whatever you got, Kirk. You, you, but you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't plan on your tire going flat. But there's a contingency involved there, in case, and they put something in the trunk called a spare tire. So if one of your tires goes flat or goes bad, gets a somebody come and slash your tire. Whatever. I know none of y'all have ever experienced that kind of stuff. None of y'all ever busting nobody's windows out, nothing like that. Just, just keep that record. Amen. But they have something in there called a spare tire, just in case. In your life, you must have spare room for people. When you were fell in love and you thought that person is my boo-boo my for life, and we just, we gonna just lovey-dovey and just, you just love everything about them, you didn't plan on them, on them disappointing you. You never plan on them letting you down. And if you didn't have any built-in, any spare mercy, spare love, spare kindness, spare grace, now you, you can't, you, you stopped. 
So margin is a spare amount, measure or degree allowed or given for contingencies or special situations. How many of y'all ever had special situations in your marriage and your family? <laughs> this is a special situation. You look, look over your partner, you're special. You know what, you're special. Now listen to this, this is very important. I'm going to show you something here. The more margin you have, the less stress you will experience. The more margin you have, the less stress you will experience. That's important. And I'll show you why here in a second. In fact, we look at it right here. Personal, marital, and family stress causes or drastically accelerates 75% of problems in the human body. You just do any research, any medical science, they'll, they'll verify that. They will cause or accelerate issues in the human body based on stress, personal, marital, or family stress. Finances is included in that. Your finances are bad, that's personal or family. So we don't have to say fi finances, that's all part of it. You got it? 75% of the problems in the human body because of this stress. I'm going to name some. Some of the common conditions caused or affected by stress. Depression. Mood swings. Irregular heartbeat. Heart attack. Heartburn. Headache. Stomach ache. Stomach ache. What are they, irritable bowel syndrome, all that kind of stuff. No, you're stressed. You're stressed. Hello, somebody. Headache, stomach ache, back ache. Well, no, I had an accident. That may be what caused it, but I'm talking about stress will accelerate it. I'm not denying that something happened to you. I understand that. But what will intensify it, that's a good word, intensify it is stress. I, I took one out because I didn't know if I was comfortable saying it. Okay, I'm, I'm going to put it back in. Now, this was, I, I got this from the internet. <laughs> so, you know it's true. <sighs> yeah. Uh, the, the word that I took out is two words, erectile dysfunction. Took it out. I, I don't know if y'all can handle it. Can y'all handle it? Okay, I said it now. Okay. Okay. Okay, well, it's out there now. It's out there now. Okay, stress. Stress. In other words, it's not a physical problem. Stress. If you can eliminate the stress. Watch this, irregular menstruation. I mean, cycle problems. Infertility. Stress. Weakened immune system. Stress. Insomnia. I mean, you can't sleep. High blood pressure. Hypertension. Stress. In other words, remember now, 
the more margin we have, the less stress we have. Which means the less margin we have, the more stress we have. So we can eliminate these issues by giving ourselves more margin. Boy, this is good right here. So I'm going to talk about three areas of margin that you got to have that affect you personally and your family. First one I'm going to talk about is financial margin. Financial margin. Media, give me Malachi 3 verse 10, please. Malachi 3 verse 10. I want to show you how God wants you and me to live. I want to show you how God wants you and me to live. Malachi 3.10. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Here's the results. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So notice that God here is talking about when you are a tither, you live in overflow. That means if you're a tither, you should be expecting to always have more than enough. Because he said, if you're a tither, I'll open the windows of heaven for you and I'll pour so much on you, you won't have room, room enough to receive it all. So if you still got plenty of room left, check to make sure you're tithing properly. Tithing properly. All right, one more, one more. Luke 6.38. Luke 6.38. He says, Jesus says this, give and it will be given to you. How? Good measure. Come on. Press down. Shake it together. And what else? Running over will be put into your bosom. So notice here that now we're talking about running over because of giving. So when you're a tither and a giver, tithing and giving households should always have more than enough. Make sure you write that down in your notes. Tithing and giving households should always have more than enough. So we got to make sure. Check, check your household. Are we a tithing household? Are we a giving household? Are we doing the things that God has told us to do? Because if so, we should always have more than enough. We should not have little. We should not have insufficiency. We should not be uh, barely making it. We should not be uh, barely getting our ends to meet. Because if you're barely getting your ends to meet, that's less margin, more stress. Come on now. And what happens? End of the month comes around or the off week on the paycheck comes around and somebody want to biggie size their meal and you, damn, you ain't going to biggie size your meal. Wait, wait. I just want to, I just want a big fries this week. I just want a big one. It's just fries. Good gracious, it's just french fries. I want a biggie drink. You better drink some, drink me that city gin. Get some of that city gin. Asking for juice. What happened? You start going at it, going at it, going at it because you're not operating with margin. Hallelujah. Close my refrigerator. Turn off the lights. I know about it. I was there. I was there. Boy, I was there. I go through and turn off every light in the house. Get out, get out. What y'all doing? What y'all doing? That's how I grew up. All right? So we should always have more than enough because you need financial margin. You know, have anybody agree with me on that? Okay. Now, let me help you with that here. 
Because to have financial margin, you got to make sure you avoid greed and worry. Make sure you avoid greed and worry because God is gonna, the one that's going to take care of you. Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Put it on the screen, please. Matthew 6, 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Verse 32. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Right? Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his. And all these things, come on, shall be added to you. All right, now, now give me 1 Timothy, please. Chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now move it quickly because I want to I get this done in good time here. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 through 10. Look at what it says. Because I said you got to avoid worry. That's what you just told us there. And we got to avoid greed. Now, godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Keep going. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Remember my father saying when he was a pastor preaching that you've never seen a, a hearse with a U-Haul hitched to the back of it. When you leave here, all the things, all the little toys you bought, all the little gadgets you have, all the purses and all the hats, all the shoes, all the belts, all the, no, it means nothing. Somebody else is going to have all your stuff. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Are we right about that? Is the Bible right about that? All right, verse 8. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be what? Content. So we sh we're supposed to be content with having, having our needs met. Jesus told us, my father knows you have need of all these things. So when we have our needs met, be content. Now, he's not saying you can't have desires for other things. You can't have desire for greater. But what he's saying is, don't let that desire start driving you. Okay? Verse 9. Verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall, y'all got quiet, fall into temptation and a snare. A snare is a trap. Pastor, you keep talking about God wants us rich. Yes, but he doesn't want you making it happen. The blessing of the Lord, it makes you rich. See, you start trying to maneuver and manipulate your way, you're going to fall into temptation. Temptation. Temptation means it's going to get you in some, some kind of sin, some kind of, some kind of um, uh, unscrupulous, some, kind of, some, some sort of unethical thing. Before you know it, you're kind of lying, like kind of fudging numbers on stuff. Manipulating people and things. Y'all shout back at me now. And a snare. So the desire to be rich will get you in a trap. And, watch this, into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. So those who all of a sudden start chasing riches rather than chasing God are going to be drowned. And destruction and perdition. Now let's keep going. You, you say, what does that have to do with, with me and my family? Okay. Proverbs 15, 27. In the CEV. Says this. Proverbs 15, 27. The CEV says this. Being greedy causes trouble for your family. 
Do me a favor of me to switch that to the New King James Version so people can see because I want to make sure you understand what he's saying. New King James, same verse. Same verse. He was greedy for gain. Or that one who's going after riches troubles his own house. Hallelujah. So when you get so caught up in going after money and wealth and things, you're going to bring trouble on your house. Oh, no, it ain't going to happen. Yes, it's, it's, these are principles that God set forth, and he's telling you ahead of time, here's what's going to happen. So what he's saying is don't do that. Follow me. Follow my plan. Follow my example. Follow my path. Follow my word. Follow my instructions, he says. I'll make you rich. And you'll be rich and have your family intact at the same time. You don't have to get rich at the cost of your marriage. Get rich at the cost of losing your sons. Get rich at the cost of losing your daughters. Get rich at the cost of, lose, of losing your own integrity and your honesty and your dignity. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me, but I'm telling you, we, 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 we can get so caught up in all the stuff that we lose. The Bible says, what, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Come on, and lose his own soul. Your soul is more important than anything you drive, anything you wear, anything you can live in. Your soul is more important. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Now, I want you to be blessed. God wants you to be prosperous. God wants you to be wealthy. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 112, verse 3, that wealth and riches shall be in our houses. But that's the righteous man. You see? God can, God can do stuff for you so easy. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. God can, God can bless you, just, just have money just come to you. So easy. Just so easy. Just, I mean, just so easy. See? But you'll trouble your own house trying to make it happen. Glory to God. Last thing about financial margin. We must be good stewards over the resources that God gives us. Proverbs 21, verse 20 in the Good News Translation. Proverbs 21, verse 20 in the Good News Translation. Look at what it says here. Wise people live in wealth and luxury. Wise people live in wealth and luxury. Wise people live in wealth, come on, and luxury. Wise people live in wealth and luxury. Now, there's another, some other people in that verse, too, but I'm just trying to deal with the wise people. Wise people live in wealth and luxury. I just want to know which, which category you want to be in because there's two people in this verse. But stupid people. spend. How you know you're stupid? If you spend your money as fast as you get it. Before the money even hits your account, you already got a plan. I'm, I'm, I'm buying this, I'm buying this, I'm doing that, doing that, going to get this done, I'm going to get that done. You're stupid. Pastor, don't call me that. I'm not, I'm just reading what, what the word is saying. I wouldn't dare you call you stupid. You know why? Because I've been this stupid myself. Y'all ain't going to say, but I'm talking about me. I've been, I've been that guy. Stupid. I look back, man, I, I say, boy, if I had known 25 years ago what I know now, when I, was, when I was 17 years old as a barber and I ended up, you know, having a, having a shop and all that kind of stuff, and I, if I knew then what I know now, man, I'd have some money stacked up. Because rather than going out every weekend and doing stuff, I'd have been taking $25 every week 
and put it in a, in a 401k, in a mutual fund, and I would have been taking $100 a week, and rather than blowing it on stupid stuff, I would have been investing that money. But I was stupid. It's some 40, 50-year-old stupid people, too, who still, still stupid because as soon as it comes in, they spend it. Tell your neighbor, don't be stupid. Now, wealth and luxury, the word luxury, we know luxury means nice things, but luxury also means overage. Luxury means overage. It means, it means more than what's required. We can call it margin. So we can say here, wise people live in margin. But stupid people <laughs> spend the money as fast as they get it. I mean, I'm asking this question on behalf of the word. How long are you going to be stupid? How, how, long, how long are you going to take it? As soon as you get it, it's gone. I mean, how long are you going to get the tax refund and blow it in the first two months? How long are you going to get the, the child tax credit that people getting every month right now? Every month. How long are you going to take that and just go blow it on crabs? Mr. And Mrs. Crab getting everybody money. And I'm not picking on Mr. And Mrs. Crab because I heard it's pretty good. I'm not picking on that. I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I've never been, but I heard it's pretty good. But what I'm saying is, how long, how long before you start accumulating and building margin into your life? I mean, at some point, you got to start, man, I'm, I don't mean to stay here. At some, at some point, you got you to set a goal. Okay, by, by the time this year finishes, I'm going to have $1,000 sitting here. Because the average American, in, in, average American, person in America, can't put their hands on $400. The average American in a rich country cannot put their hands on $400. Now, as much free money as the government handed out, you can't put your money on $400? Well, it's the system rough. No, you're stupid. I'm just telling what, now I'm not, I'm not picking on you because I'm telling you I was stupid as the, as the stupid comes. Stupid is a stupid does, they say, right? But you have to shift and say, okay, no, I'm going to save 1000 And by the time I get the next year, this 1000 is going to be 2000 By the next year, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? You got you to have somewhere you start to accumulate, to accumulate. And then God will say, okay, invest that there and turn that 1000 into 10000 and 10000 into, into 100 and What happens when you have financial margin? Then when contingencies come up, when things come up, you don't stress. And in a family, when you don't have margin, you'll bicker. You'll fuss. 
you'll, you'll, you'll lambast your own children because they want McDonald's. <laughs> Ain't nobody got the McDonald's money. You had nail money. Try to eat that. Huh? Now, I'm not picking, picking on you because you should have nail money and McDonald's money. God has no problem with nails. Toes and hair, he has no problem with none of that. Beautiful he wants you to be. But I must have some financial margin. All right, let me keep going here. Let me keep going. Time is winding up here. So I got to have financial margin in my life and in my family. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, that means sometimes couples, let me help the couples here. Sometimes, uh, not sometimes, that means all the time we got to work together. We got to get on one accord. I can't bring in a check and my spouse bring in a check and our checks never see each other and then we always will put down your money and you put down your money and we never know how the money works together. Separate, it just, it just doesn't work. You gotta, you, gotta, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta work together on this stuff here in every area. Amen. I said this a long time ago, it bears repeating. If you can't trust somebody with your money, how you trust somebody swapping bodily fluids? If you can't trust somebody with money, how are you going to trust somebody swapping bodily fluids? Y'all quiet in this Baptist church this morning. Hallelujah. All right, secondly, physical margin. Physical margin. In Exodus 20, put that on screen for me, please. Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11. Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11. Here's what, what uh, God says to Moses here. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it what? Holy. Holy. Keep going, please. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. All your work. In just six days. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. So God didn't design you to be working seven days a week. Anybody. No, you know your son, know your daughter, know your male servant, know your female servant. So we should have some servants, should we? Y'all don't like that. Y'all don't like that. You, you pay service. Now, y'all, y'all, I ain't got no slaves. They ain't gonna be no slaves. You're gonna pay them. Well. I mean, you have a seven bedroom, eight and a half bathroom mansion with five car garage and all that kind of stuff. You can't maintain that thing by yourself. You gotta have somebody in there taking care of that thing for you while you on, on, on vacation. While you ministering to the Lord. All right. Know your cattle, know your stranger who is, who is within your gates. Keep going, verse 11, please. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So what people make mistake of is saying is that there aren't enough hours in the day. Some of y'all, you might have said that. There just aren't enough days in the week. 
And he says here, no, in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. So God, in six days, made the whole heavens, all the heavens and the earth. In six, and took a day off. So if God can finish making Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Pluto, Venus, all them, Neptune, all them, and everything. Did I get them all? And, and all the galaxies and all the moons and all the things and all the seas and all the dry land and all the birds and all the bees and all the beasts of the field and all the fish in the, in the sea. You can't do what you need to do in six days. Because you have to give yourself a day of rest. All right? So the Sabbath was given for man to rest and worship. To rest and worship. Why? Because rest replenishes your body. Worship replenishes your spirit. You better catch that. Rest and worship. I didn't say rest and get on a boat. I said rest and worship. Because rest replenishes your body and worship replenishes your spirit. How many of you know that you need your spirit replenished? When you work around heathen all week long. Had to drive in St. Petersburg, new traffic. Every day. Dealing with rush hour traffic. I mean, and just doing, dealing with what you got to deal with. Your spirit needs to be replenished. When you've had to, had to pray through raising your children. Or pray through dealing with a hot-headed spouse. You need a day to replenish your spirit. When you pour it out, you got to replenish. When you rest, you give your body time to replenish. That's why we need eight hours of sleep at night. How many of y'all, honestly, you actually get eight hours of sleep? Y'all, you actually get it. God bless you. I'm, I'm just, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous because I do not get eight hours of sleep. I know y'all probably get, well, see, I shouldn't even ask y'all seniors because y'all go to bed at 730. I'm talking about regular folk. <laughs> you come home, your hair already curled and everything, and already got the cap on your head at 7.30 evening. <laughs> they ain't watching Jeopardy, and they out. <laughs> but, but for those of us who don't get the early bird special, who actually have to do stuff late at night, you, you, eight, eight hours is hard to get. But yet, medical science tells us that we need that time because that time actually re replenishes our organs. Your organs are supposed to replenish every single night. Let them rest. Even the time of fasting, when you, when you sleep at night, your body, you're not eating anything, you're fasting. That's why when you wake up in the morning, you eat something called breakfast. It's breakfast. Breakfast is breakfast because you're breaking the fast that you've been on for eight hours. And that eight hours has given your body time to replenish and restore and rebuild. It's giving your tissues time to rebuild. That's why we, get, we go to bed healthy. You know, they, they should say early to bed, early to rise. Makes one healthy, wealthy, and wise. You got to get up in the morning. You can't sleep till 11 o'clock talking about you're going to prosper. Mess with some of y'all young folk here. You can't sleep till 11 o'clock, even on Saturdays, talking about I'm going to prosper. Because business still happened on Saturday. Remember, six days you show work. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, five days, four days to me. Six days you show work. Maybe not on your job, but producing something. If you got a business on the side, Saturday ought to be your day. 
No, I'm sleeping in. Well, when are your business going to produce? I sure wish I could quit my job. You can't because you sleep on Saturdays. Okay, let me get back on. We're talking about physical, right? Physical. The Sabbath is mandatory margin. Oh, man, I got three minutes. Woo, I got a long ways to go. Lord have mercy. Okay, in Mark 6, 30 through 32, put it on the screen real quick. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all, the, all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Keep going, please. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So Jesus Christ understood the need for margin for time, even when it came to ministry. Even when it comes to ministry, you got to have some time to break away and rest. Hallelujah. Pastors have a half day off. Leaders got to have day, days off that you give yourself time. Jesus had time to rest. Y'all got it? 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, 8 and 9 in the CEV. 1 Timothy 4, verse 8 and 9. This is one that's going to get real quiet. It's going to get cricket quiet in here right here on this one. 1 Timothy 4, 8 and 9. I better read on my paper. As the saying goes, exercise is good for your body. That's all I needed. As the saying goes, exercise is good for your body. The reason why many people don't have physical margin while they get stressed out is because they don't move. They're sedentary. And their bodies are failing around them, slowly but failing. If you remember during this whole COVID time, what they've called COVID deaths have by large and in part been COVID morbidities. Comorbidities which meant that the person might have had COVID, but what actually contributed to their death is their bad health. Because when COVID hit, COVID came as a violation, and they didn't have enough margin in their physical body to make up for what COVID was taking out of their bodies. That's why I'm so grateful for our governor appointing a new Surgeon General here in the state of Florida who said, what we're going to do, we're going to push health. People need to get healthy because all the stats show that people by large in part die because they were already unhealthy. Well, I know somebody, I'm not talking about there were outliers in every case. I'm talking about the most people died because they were already unhealthy. They had no physical margin. So... As the saying goes, exercise is good for your body. It's going to lower your stress, your cholesterol, your blood pressure, your weight, heart disease is reduced. All these things happen if you just walk. You don't even have to go out there and do CrossFit. You don't have to do CrossFit. Rolling big old diesel tires down the street. That ain't me. That ain't me. I had a guy come here a few weeks ago talking about, Pastor, you should come to my gym. I'll work you out in my gym. I said, no, that ain't me. He said, oh, even my, I saw my mother. Give me your mama workout then. Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I ain't trying to be American gladiator, an American ninja and all that kind of stuff like that. I'm me. Put on a good pair of shoes and I'm going to walk. And I might jog every once in a while, then I walk. But that in itself is enough to help give some margin in the physical body. And the church said amen. amen. 
Psalm 103, verse 5, God satisfies our mouth with good things. So that our youth is renewed like the eagles. That's Psalm 103, verse 5. God satisfies our mouth with good things. So our youth is renewed like the eagles. So God wants you to be young and strong again. Somebody say hallelujah. I don't care how old you are. God will satisfy you with good things so you get younger and stronger every day. Stop saying, I'm getting older and I'm falling apart. Stop saying that. Let God satisfy your mouth, with little, which literally means not just your mouth, but your desires with good things so you actually get younger and stronger every day. Some of you know good and well. You're better looking today than you were 10 years ago. Come on, help me out now. Help me out. Some of you are better looking today. Come on now, help me out. Anybody? I know I am. I'm better looking today than I was 10 years ago. Tell your neighbor, so are you, so are you. You're looking better and better every day. Why? You're taking better care of yourself. You're eating right, eating properly, getting some exercise. The word of God is enlightening you. What's happening? That's why COVID couldn't take you out. You got hit with it, but it couldn't take you out because you had enough margin in your physical man to withstand the attack. Thank God for that. All right, last one, last area. Okay, last area. This is the nitty-gritty. Emotional margin. Emotional margin. Media, help me out. Colossians 3, verse 12 through 15. Colossians 3, 12 through 15. Emotional margin. Everybody say, I need some emotional margin. Whoa-wee. This is good right here. Is this where, this where the rubber meets the road right here? This where, this where all, of, all of fighting and all of fussing, all of cussing, all of tussling, all of wrestling... Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I don't want to do you and people slaying. They weave around and do all that kind of stuff. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, put on, put on. Clothe yourselves with tender mercies, kindness, kindness. Be kind. Say, never, oh, be kind. Humility. Humility means I don't have to get my own way in this thing here. I'm going to myself down. Meekness, I could fight you, but I won't. I, I, I should cut you, but I won't. Come on now, that's meekness. Anybody ever, ever want to cut somebody? Don't put your hand up. Anybody want to cut somebody? Because we're on camera right here. <laughs> don't do it. Now watch this last one in this verse. Long-suffering. Now that's margin. Long suffering. How many know that in a marriage, in a family, you need some long suffering? You, it's okay to put your hand up. Even, I know you're sitting next to your neighbor, your spouse, and everything. You ever found you need long suffering with your children? Or your, or your parents? Or your parents? The kids scared to put their hands up. Long suffering with your brother, your sister. What does long-suffering mean? You suffer long. We've been married five years, and you ain't changed. Suffer long. My wife says suffer long. Like, 21 years we've been married. You ain't got this yet. Just, just a few more years, baby, and I'll get it. Just stick with me. I know it's been a long time. Just keep on suffering. 
Long-suffering. Everybody say long-suffering. Long that word long-suffering in the Greek is the Greek word makrothemia. Makrothemia, which means patience, forbearance. Y'all know what forbearance is. Anybody ever, ever got a forbearance on your loan? That means you don't, don't send no payment in. Forbearance. It's not forgiven. Forbearance is just later. We, you ain't got to do nothing right now. Prolong it. That's good. Forbearance. We're going to get to forgiveness. <laughs> Forbearance. Long suffering. Watch this. Here's, here it is. Slowness in avenging wrongs. That means when you have long suffering, you don't clap back immediately. <laughs> if at all, but definitely not immediately. You just, you don't want to count to 10. One. Because you want to clap back. Right? Come on, human beings. How many of y'all, you want to clap back? You want to say something? Mm -hmm. I know I got some of y'all young honeymooners. Everything's still, you know, everything's great. But I mean, once you got a family. But long-suffering. Now, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, they can put it on the screen for us. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, you know, goes to that list of love, what love is, love is. You know, the first thing it lists about love, it says it suffers long. So long-suffering is an indication of your love. Long-suffering is an indication of your love. That's how you can measure your love. How much you're willing to suffer. Long-suffering. Suffering means something's not right. We got married. It ain't been but six months. I'm already ready for a divorce. You what? You ain't suffered a little bit. Pastor, you don't understand. They changed. They said one thing before they got married. Now they doing something different. Well, okay, but you got to go through the long suffering. I thought you said you love them. If you love them, you're going to be willing to suffer long. Notice he didn't call it short suffering. It's called long suffering. That means you got to have a certain bit of margin built in. Jesus told them, the disciples, they said, Jesus, the disciples said one time, uh, Matthew 18, it's all around there, 16. Peter said, you know, Jesus, how often should we forgive someone when they offend us? Seven times? He said, <laughs> said no, son, 70 times seven. That's every day. 490 times per offense per day. That means every time they wrong you in the same type of wrong, they get 490 every day. Now, ain't nobody ever wronged you 490 times in one day on the same thing. Nobody. I can't take this anymore. What happened to your love? How long-suffering is Father God with us? Put up, go back to Colossians 3, uh, 12. I, I don't know, I don't know how, how far we got to this. Colossians 3, verse 12. I got to finish, man. Past time. Verse 13. There, let's go to verse 13. Here's, here's what this looks like. Bearing with one another. Mm-hmm. And 
forgiving. That was, that's it. Bearing with. What does it mean to bear with? It means to endure. Remember, love bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Almost every marriage I do, I read that scripture. For people, when they stand right here before God, before the altar, I say, love hopes all things, endures all things, it bears all things. So you get it in your head that everything been gravy while you've been dating. But as soon as you start a family, now the rubber's going to meet the road. And you're going to have to deal with some stuff. And you're going to have to bear some things. It means you don't like it. You date and you kind of love everything they do. It's so cute how you swallow. <laughs> Passing gas is cute when you first date. And you're like, ooh, we, we're comfortable now, aren't we? we meant for each other because now we pass the gas in front of each other. That's wonderful. We must be supposed to be together. But eventually that passing gas I told you to stop that. <laughs> I told you to stop that. Why you got to keep doing that like that? forgiving. Now notice what it says, bearing with one another. That means it's both ways. Bearing with one another. That means that I need somebody to bear with me too. Forgiving one another, which means I need people to forgive me too, because I'm not perfect. Come on, confess that right now. Right now. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. And it's about time you realize that. It's about time you and I realize we're not perfect. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you should do. Also must do. Uh-oh. Now I got a forgiveness requirement. But Pastor, you know what they did. Well, what did you do against God? You asked God to forgive you. Well, guess what? He says the same way he forgave you, you also must forgive. Keep going. Verse 14. Verse 14. Verse 14. Come on. Verse 14. But above all these things, put on love, which is what? So love is what holds everything together. Verse 15. Here it is. Close one. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. So rather than be angry and upset, find something to be thankful about. You know, I sure thank God for you. Right now I can't stand you, but I thank God for you. <laughs> Ephesians 4, real quick. I got to finish it. I'm, I'm only got, I got to give you these notes. So that's one for these notes, I'll quit. I'm just give you these notes here. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Look what it says. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. Keep going. With all lowliness and gentleness, with bearing with one another in love. Watch what he's doing. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So this is in your notes. The work or endeavor of unity requires us to bear with one another in love. The work of unity requires us to bear with one another in love. So my point to you here is that unity takes work. What? 
Oh, at the top? I said it. Family members, well, I said it actually early on. Family members must budget for each other's faults. I apologize. Thank y'all. Family members must budget for each other's faults. You need a big budget for each other. Some people require a bigger budget than others. But put that in the budget. I tell people this. I tell people this when, they, when, they're, when they're going through counseling. I say this. I say love has forgiveness built into it. When you love someone, you don't have to decide if you're going to forgive them. Love has forgiveness built into it. So if that person wrongs me, I automatically release forgiveness. If I love them. See, if I don't really love them, then I'm, now I'm going to sit and try to decide, should I forgive you or not? Well, Pastor, it was something big. What does that mean? What does that mean? See, we're working to keep the unity of the spirit. And I want my family unified. That means I got to be willing to forgive others and I got to be willing to ask others to forgive me. As a father, there are times I've had to ask my children to forgive me. Those parents, I've had to ask my wife to forgive me. She looked at me well enough. I mean, y'all, y'all know, y'all know we're not perfect, right? Right? Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being real with you. But we have to do that. We have to forgive and ask for forgiveness. If we're going to love, if we're going to stay unified. The moment we shut down forgiveness, we're done. There can be no unity. All right, so the work of unity requires us to, be, to bear with one another in love. I must give others in my family the same margin I need. I must give others in my family the same margin I need. Not I want, I need. I need margin. Because I'm going to blow it. I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. I've made more mistakes than, I, than I'm willing to even talk about. But... My family has to have, they, they've had to give me margin. Or well, dad just might have woken up, you know, in bad mood or he was studying or he was doing, he was preoccupied with something or whatever. Jesus said this in Luke 6.31. This is not from Abraham Lincoln, this is from Jesus. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. They, they call it a golden rule. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. That's not from Abraham Lincoln. That's from Jesus. Okay, last place. Last place. Matthew 18, 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault with everybody. Call the whole family together. I'm going to tell you what so-and-so did. No, it says go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have what? Gained your brother. Which means that whenever there's some sort of division, you've lost. And the devil's goal is to get us to be so divided that we lose each other. 
We lose the unity. We, we lose the fellowship. And if he can do it good enough, we lose the relationship. But you and I must say, no, I want the relationship so bad. Oh, boy. It's, it's real quiet. What good is it to win the battle if you lose your brother? What good is it to, lose the, to win the argument and you've lost your, your brother or your child or your spouse or your, your, your sister? Here's your last fill-in. Love values relationship more than reputation. What do you mean by more than reputation? See, notice it said that if your brother offends you, if your brother offends you, put that scripture back up, Matthew 18, 19. If your brother, 15 rather, if your brother sins against you or offends you, wait on him to come to you. Huh? Now, who's the one did the sin? The, 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 per, the other person. But he said, if they, if they offend you, if they sin against you, go to them. Now, that being the case, your reputation is going to be at stake. Because people are going to say, well, he the one wrong. How are you going to punk out and go to them? See, see. But you've got to get past your, your reputation and how it's going to make you look for the sake of winning your brother or your wife or your husband or your child or your spouse or whatever it is. It doesn't matter how I look. I need this relationship in my life more than people thinking I'm the, you know, I'm the man. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. This is, you don't bring no crowd. You ain't going to bring no phone. You're going to be putting this on Twitter and, you know, this TikTok video we're about to throw down. I'm not going to throw down. I'm going to get this right. I, I love you enough that I'm willing to come to you and say, hey, man, this, what, what, what happened there? It, 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 didn't, it didn't go over well. It, it wasn't right. But I want to, and you're not going there to get them straight. I'm going there to gain my brother. Y'all missed that. I'm not going to get some justice. I'm going to gain my brother. That's my whole intent in going to him. It's to gain my brother. Hey, I didn't, that didn't, and I'm sure you were probably feeling some kind of way. There had to be something going on because I, I know that's probably not how, you probably didn't mean things to come that way. I'm just telling you how it just, it just came across like that. But man, hey, I forgive you. Right? I forgive you. He ain't asked for it. I forgive you. Okay, let me throw this one out. Jesus says, when you come and bring in your offering, I think it's in the fifth chapter of Matthew, he said, you come and bring your offering to the altar and you realize that your brother has something against you. He said, tell you what, leave your offering right there. Don't present it. Leave right there. Go back to your brother and get that thing straight. Then come back and give your offering. Because you give me your offering and you got broken relationships nullifies the power of your seed. Oh, y'all missed that. 
you having, knowingly having broken relationships and you trying to give, it, no, that's, well, I'm not getting, I'm not getting the harvest. Because there's some things you probably got to fix with somebody. Matthew 5, leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way first, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Because God's not going to honor your seed that you got unforgiveness in your heart. Now, what I'm saying with all that is you got to build in this kind of margin with people that if people wrong you, people let you down, people do whatever, you know what? I got enough built in in me. I'm going to give you space because you know what? There's going to come a time I'm going to need that same amount of margin. There will be a time I'm going to say something wrong. Trust me, as a pastor, I've said plenty of things wrong. As a husband, I've said plenty of things wrong. As a father, I've said plenty of things wrong. As a member of the body of Christ, I've said plenty of things wrong. I've treated people in ways that, oh, man, I just like, oh, God, I can't believe I did that. Thank God people have given me some margin. So because that's the case, that's why now I give people margin. Because, because I thank people for giving me, and I thank God for giving me the margin because I've let God down so many times, and he didn't strike me dead. I'm still here. Amen? Amen? Financial margin, physical margin, emotional margin. If you get those things working in your life and your family, your family will have less stress, less arguments, less fussing, less fighting, and more enjoyment. I came that you might have and enjoy life to the full, to the overflows, having an abundance. That's what God wants you to have. Amen? Amen. You receive that today? You get all your nose down? Amen. Stand on your feet and give God a praise today for that word. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for the word we've received today. Thank you that your people have been uh, hearers, and I pray that they will all be, we will, we will all be doers of the word of God, that we may see the fruit, the results in our lives that you intended, that we do not live uh, on, live stressful lives, but lives with margin for each other, that we are willing to forgive each other and bear with one another, and that, God, we have uh, long-suffering. Your word even tells us that long-suffering is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And so, Father, thank you that, Lord, as Spirit-filled and Spirit-led people, we are willing to suffer along with each other, not only in our families, but even in this family, the body of Christ, that, Father, that we will extend mercy and grace to each other, that, Father, we'll be kind and gentle and loving with each other, Father. And that, Lord, we'll, we'll know how to, to win our brothers and our sisters, uh, those in our biological families and those in our spiritual families, Father. And that, God, we'll, we'll be more concerned about relationship than our reputations. Thank you, Father. Lord, it was we who wronged you. And in spite of all that, you sent Jesus Christ, your son, into this cursed world to win us back to you. Thank you so much for your goodness that led us to repentance. Now, I pray, Father, each and every one of us, as we take this word to heart, that we'll apply it and our families will be free from stress, 
and full of joy. From this day forward, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give God a great hand of praise today for the word. <laughs>